time for the WJR Sportsbook? You bet. Sponsored by Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort. Now here are your hosts, Steve Courtney and Jamie Edmonds. All right, then. Good Monday night to you. Already another Monday night. I absolutely love it. Can you believe it? Just one right after the other, huh? <laughs> Everything well, darling? Yeah, things are good. Beautiful. That's what I like to hear. It was a beautiful weekend. Oh, it sure was. Guess what Uncle Steve did? I mean, one guess. Huh? Golf. Huh? Eh. <laughs> good guess. Yeah. Uh, and it was Saturday. And let me just say this. I'm not going to bore anybody with the details because non-golfers don't like to hear dudes talk about golf or anybody, really. Uh, but it was just vi- very nice to get out and played my son. And uh, the dude wants nothing more in life than to beat the old man. And he's still searching for that victory. <laughs> that was the follow-up. Has he done it yet? No, he is not. But it was uh, awesome. I was out with my brother and his wife and a couple of their friends and uh, had a good to-do. And, uh, you know, we're talking... When can we get out and do it again? <laughs> well, who knows? Not this week. No. Maybe uh, July. <laughs> we can uh, schedule another tea time for crying out loud. Uh, nice to have you with us here on the WJR Sportsbook, presented by our wonderful friends at Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort. And uh, it was a busy weekend uh, because another Mickey Milestone became reality. Wasn't that something? It was fantastic. That's why I was not golfing because I was covering this, and what a moment for him in front of the home crowd. Nice, nice uh, number of people out on a beautiful day at Comerica Park. It was great. Uh, Introductions before we go any further. uh, Producer Nick Roddy uh, is on hand, as well as Blake. Blake, you even had to appreciate the Mickey Milestone, Yeah, eh? it was a great moment. Good for you. I didn't get to watch it live. I was watching my sister graduate from college. Unfortunately, Congratulations. I, didn't, so I didn't see it live, for her. but it was a great moment, obviously. Uh, Nick, uh, you've been around a little uh, little bit here in this town, and uh, clearly you know what Miggy know, uh, means to this town, the organization. Uh, it, was a, it, it was a very special moment. Yeah, it was great to see uh, Comerica Park packed. I was surprised the second game of the doubleheader wasn't as crowded uh, maybe as the first, even though he already got into 3,000 hits. Yeah, I think uh, Yeah, there was a big to-do because Friday's uh, series opener was rained out, and if you had a ticket to that, you actually had a ticket to Game 2 on Saturday. And there were some very miffed people. I mean, it goes back to the intentional walk. People wanted it that day. Then you have the postponement, and then... You know, everyone just wanted to be there to see it. That's what it stems from. Well, as usual, social media was uh, spitting venom and uh, a lot of folks uh, calling out, uh, well, Chris Illich. Uh, but what did I, he have to do with nothing, it? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Owners have nothing to do with situations of that nature. No, it's MLB. It's weather cat. It's, uh, you know, the weather people. That's who decide. But the uh, real numbers uh, remain impressive. Uh, a couple of days after the event, Miguel becomes the 33rd member of the 3,000-hit club and only the seventh player in Major League history to achieve the milestone while hitting 500 home runs. How about this? Through April 21st and since 1876, in case you're wondering, 20,025 individuals have been Major League Baseball players. So to become one of 33 
of 25,000 or 20,025 to obtain it is mind-blowing. I talked about this this weekend. He's also one of one when you think about 3,000 hits, 500 home runs, and has won a triple crown. The only guy to do that. And he's got a 310 lifetime average, 502 home runs, 599 doubles. He now has his 3,000 hits. Nobody in baseball history has 3,000 hits, 600 doubles, 500 home runs with a lifetime average of 310. Nobody. He's a double away. Everyone was talking about, will we ever see this again? A guy to play this long and have those kinds of numbers. They're saying uh, that the next man up, as far as 3,000 hits, could be anywhere from 7 to 10 years away. So thank goodness we got to see it here in Detroit. Well, and the chase for 500 home runs a season ago was exciting. It was. It was. I just can't imagine the pressure because it goes silent. Everyone's standing. They have their phones. I I mean, I feel like it's a little easier to get that hit than the home run, but the pressure has got to be crazy. Well, I think this time around, um, and I'm not saying that the pressure wasn't insane, but it was inevitable. It was going to happen. Uh, The only question was when. And, you know, after it happened and his former teammate, Jose Iglesias, uh, was the first to give him a big hug. And then, you know, you saw the bullpen empty and the bench emptied. And, you know, the crowd's going crazy. It was uh, 37,566, as uh, Nick alluded to. It was great to see Comerica Park uh, uh, at the seams. It was so great that it happened at home. I mean, this could have happened in another series on the road. His 500th homer happened on the road. So he was saying that post-game. He was so happy that it happened here in front of the home fans. The 39-year-old is the first Venezuelan-born player and seventh Latino to reach the 3,000-hit mark, a list that is very impressive. Uh, Includes Hall of Famers Roberto Clemente, near and dear to your heart. Of course, Pirate. Uh, Rod Carew, Rafael Palmero, Alex Rodriguez, Adrian Beltre, and Albert Pujols. Uh, keep in mind the great Louis Aparicio, the only Venezuelan-born player in the Hall of Fame. He had 2,677 career hits. So that's an impressive club to be a part of. There's no doubt about that. Absolutely. And it was such a big deal for his country, too. And it was against a Venezuelan pitcher. He had a Venezuelan catcher behind him. Right. In the post-game room, there was a reporter from Venezuela there. Like, it was a big, big deal. He also uh, becomes the third player to get his 3,000th hit uh, while with Detroit, uh, joining Ty Cobb and, of course, uh, Al Kaline. That was awesome. It was just great. And he was asked about Al Kaline post-game, and he got a little emotional. He said he wished Al was here to see it. We all do. Uh, but I'll tell you one thing uh, about Mr. K-Line. He would have been the first one on his feet applauding Miguel for uh, joining the club, as the case may be. Uh, Al just absolutely not only loved baseball, as you might suspect, but he was a Tiger through and through. You know, the whole career gets into uh, the organization. And, uh, you know, while he was with us, Al had nothing, nothing but great things to say about Miguel Cabrera. And Al was in the clubhouse a lot. He was at spring training a lot. These guys loved him. Just a gentleman. Yeah. Just a true gentleman. And you know what I also thought about in kind of a wild way? Look, Mickey's made a boatload of money since he's been a Tiger. Right. 
you know what, 25, 26, 27 million dollars a year, whatever the case may be. Mr. I gives him that contract. Why? For this moment. Well, for this moment. And Mr. Illich wanted to win a World Series. Right. And at that particular point in time, if Mike Illich and the Tigers didn't pay the money, somebody else would have because Miguel is that good. Right. So, you know, does the end justify the means? Yes. Debatable. It depends who you ask, of course. But to have a moment like that in town and have his longevity here and the greatness he's brought here, batting titles, triple crown, home run races, I I think it's worth it. Well, and I am more convinced than ever before (laughs) that when he goes into the hall and – we all know what's happening. He goes in a tiger. Yes. I I would think so. Won a World Series with the Marlins. I know, but the longevity here. I think it's here. Uh, the Tigers, by the way, have the night off. Uh, they begin a three-game series in Minnesota. 7.40 tomorrow night. Tigers, they're 6-9 and nine in the campaign. Eduardo Rodriguez will get the ball for the Old, old English Deers. Uh, we need a little something more from Eduardo. He's 0-1, ERA of 5.27. Uh, the Twins right now, 8-8. Eight and eight. You know, the Twins are one of those teams that have a payroll of $40 every year, <laughs> and they're always around 500 Yeah. It's insane. <laughs> yeah, they're 8-8. Eight eight. Chris Paddock, the 26-year-old right-hander, will work the hill uh, for the Twinkies. He's 0-2, ERA of 5. Uh, we're going to take a break, but we need to discuss something. That really has me irritated. Saw what happened over the weekend at Yankee Stadium. Yankees win a ball game, and they pelt some guardian outfielders with beer bottles, beer cans, everything else. Why? It's not okay. It's getting to be absolutely ridiculous, the fan behavior. On an airplane. I know. At a sports venue. Our whole society. It's upside down is what it is. And there's a couple of theories involved, but stand by. I need to vent, and we'll do that as we continue right here with the WJR Sportsbook. Welcome back to more of the WJR Sportsbook, sponsored by Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort. Once again, here are Steve Courtney and Jamie Edmonds. Certainly one of the bigger uh, sports stories in this week unfolding, the Agital. Football League draft, which gets underway uh, Thursday night. Your Detroit Lions with the second overall pick. The Jacksonville Jaguars currently on the clock with selection numero uno. We will talk about that in the moments ahead with our good buddy Mike O'Hara from DetroitLions.com. The New York Stankies uh, increased security in the stands yesterday, a day after fans threw bottles, cans, and other debris at Guardians outfielders following a walk-off win. The Bronx's bleacher creatures greeted Guardian center fielder Miles Straw with chants of crybaby yesterday after Straw called Yankees fans the worst fan base on the planet. Straw, of course, at the center of a very tense ninth inning Saturday that included his face-to-face confrontation with at least one fan. I'm sure by now uh, those of you listening to this program saw the video. It was ugly uncalled for, and uh, very disheartening. It was terrible. I mean, what are we doing as a society? What are we doing? It's a baseball game you're there to watch and have fun. 
Well, during the NFL season, uh, it seemed like, you know, every other week, at the very most, there were there was video on social media of brawls breaking out in NFL venues. Didn't matter which one. Uh, you know, there was something going on. Nick, when was the altercation at Comerica Park? Wasn't it? Uh, it was like the first series, I want to say. It was like kind of on the concourse. It didn't turn into something big, and I don't, I don't think it was on TV. No, but a dude went down. Yeah, it was making the rounds on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, it was just uh, probably five middle-aged guys getting into a fight and a couple guys on the ground. You know, <laughs> is there anything more ridiculous than middle-aged drunken dudes no. getting into a fight at a sporting event? <laughs> no, it's silly. Uh, you know, and we're not talking uh, in some of these NFL scraps that broke out. We're not talking about your you know, eighth grade schoolyard, pushing, pushing, pushing. We're talking about haymakers delivered. Uh, sometimes women are getting involved. Um, but, uh, you know, altercations that have absolutely no business happening. Uh, far be it from me to judge what anybody does. But if you're going to act like a complete jackass <laughs> in a venue like that, I'm sorry. I think there are levels. If you're with your friends, you're drunk, you get in a fight. I don't know what happened at Comerica Park, but that was between those people, right? Right. The ones at the NFL stadium seem to be a, between people who are have, have not come together, and they're very vicious. It looks bad. Then you have the next level when you involve the players. True. And uh, look, when you pay your money for a ticket, I get it. You have every right in the world to say pretty much whatever you want. Uh, but after your team wins, to start hurling bottles and cans and other derbis at players is fundamentally wrong. I agree. Like, could we all go back to kindergarten and learn our manners? Well, here's my theory. I was talking to, with Nikki uh, earlier today. Have we completely lost our sense of scruples coming off the pandemic where you couldn't go to a sporting event? Yes. I mean, look at what's going on on airplanes. That's another thing. That is another thing. And <laughs> when I fly, I think, please, God, don't let this be a point where someone gets in a fight because I'm trying to go where I'm trying to go. All right. Well, case in point, you know, and, and, and I think this guy is going to lose in court as he should. The one that challenged Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson was minding his own business. He was. Just sitting there. And the guy would not let him alone. Threw a water bottle at him. So thank God some witnesses have stood up and said, look, this guy here deserved everything he got. Right. And hopefully when that case goes to court, they'll throw it out inside 30 seconds. But, I mean, you take a family to a sporting event. Right. A baseball game. America's pastime. You're there with your wife. You're there with your kids. It's been going on for generations. Or a football game. Same scenario. Right. Basketball. Whatever the case may be. Hockey. Uh, you don't need to see these nitwits get into altercations. And it'd be different. If it was few and far between. But my friends, that is not the case here. I know. What Did anything happen to the people that threw garbage on the field after what? their team won? 
which is just a mind bender. You know, I'm sure uh, they will be sought out if they haven't already and maybe banned, you know, for life. You know, that's more or less what happens in situations like this. If you make an idiot of yourself and you're identified, then you're kicked out for life. Uh, does that really happen? You know, does the guy get a hold of a disguise and, and, and he's at the next home game? Who the hell knows? I know. Like, if they walk up to the gate with a ticket, is anyone going to notice? I, you know, it, uh, the odds are no. Well, so, how about in the NBA, the Minnesota-Memphis series, where these fans have been running on the court in protest of the owner of the team? The, the one fan was dressed as a as an NBA referee, and she gets tackled like two steps onto the court. I think the NBA players, because the fans are the closest to them, are kind of the most in peril for something like that. Yeah, because they're right there. Right. Oh, it's like uh, you're talking about, Nick, that woman in Minnesota during the T-Wolves game, she had a problem with the Timberwolves owner being involved in an egg deal. And she was kind of protesting eggs. From what I got. I, I thought it was protesting the treatment of the animals. But. Well, the chicken's okay. You don't like the way to, uh, whatever. It's the chicken or the egg. Right. <laughs> so her idea of a protest was to super glue her hand to the court. Okay. But she never got that far because that security guard had laser beam eye focus on her. But what's, what's comical, okay, she thought this thing out. All right. I don't like the way the chickens are being treated. It's horrible. Okay. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to super glue my hand to the court during a timeout. How does that get her to her goal? Okay. And she wasn't successful. Right. If she successfully super glued her hand to the court. <laughs> now, now what? what? <laughs> <laughs> now, what? Blake. <laughs> So, there's been three protests at Timberwolves games. The Timberwolves are 3-0 and in those games. I'm just saying. So, <laughs> so you're saying it's a so big they conspiracy. Wa- they want the protests. They're 3-0. and They definitely do not want the protests. 3-0. and They want 3-0. and Thank you. <laughs> but, I mean, Minnesota's been through it a little bit lately. I mean, on, on several fronts. But, anyway, I certainly hope that now that everybody is able to go back to these sporting events, that maybe the luster of these brouhaha's is over. It's got to be, because it makes no sense. I don't think it's over, unfortunately. Oh, it's a real shame, honestly. I agree. I I guess they have to stop selling beer at games, right? Oh, look at the time. I don't think he (laughs) supports that. Well, listen. I would certainly hope, be, and you raise a great point, Nick. At the root of probably most of these altercations is alcohol. Agreed. And that's a shame. If you can't handle your drink, then don't drink. Or, as somebody once coined, no one to say when for crying out loud. We are getting into all kinds of topics tonight. <laughs> Up next. <laughs> The National Football League Draft. Michael Harrod joins us. Leave it here on the WJR Sportsbook. Welcome back to more of the WJR Sportsbook, sponsored by Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort.
Once again, here are Steve Courtney and Jamie Edmonds. Yes, as always, thank you very much to our good friends at Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort. Uh, anxious to hear from our friend Cece Griffiths, who uh, oversees a, a lot of the important uh, day-to-day operations as it applies to uh, the sports book there and whatnot. We were there uh, a couple of weeks ago to help them uh, open Ascend, a beautiful, beautiful room. And uh, they're going to have their app up and running very, very soon. So we will certainly keep you posted. Meanwhile, big goings on this Thursday night. It is the beginning of the 2022 National Football League Draft in beautiful Las Vegas. Round one getting underway Thursday night at 8 o'clock. The Jacksonville Jaguars on the clock. Your Detroit Lions getting set to go at number two as it stands now. And there could be a little bit of shifting going on. I'm sure many of you have read uh, today, Georgia defensive end Trayvon Walker has gone from long shot to the consensus odds-on favorite to be the number one overall pick in the uh, draft. That would make, if it happened, uh, Michigan's Aiden Hutchinson available to the Lions at two. What does Mike O'Hara think from DetroitLions.com? Mo Better, what's going on, my friend? Uh, Jamie, Steve, doing well. What's going on? You tell me. I'm just, re- just reading what I thought I what I thought I knew a week ago. Well, uh, you know, in years past, and you know, you're the perfect guy to talk to, Mike. You've been through a draft or two. Uh, the Lions pick, no matter where they were going off, you know, kind of easy to take a look at their needs and who they were going to select. Is that different going into this draft? Do you think? Well, I think the needs part of it is pretty, you know, pretty cut and dried. I mean, I think they need defense, and then after they get that, they need more defense. And I think that this draft is is really set up for that. Now, you've got to draft the right players, and the the players have to come through after they get drafted. But I don't think there's any question that the Lions have an opportunity to, you know, to bolster their defense with what's available and with the picks they have. Uh, You know, uh, uh, Daniel Jeremiah of of, – NFL.com and NFL Network, really one of the best at this. I looked at his top 15 the other day, top 15 players in this draft. 11 of them are on defense. Two of them are offensive linemen. At least they were in that that, uh, draft he had. And two of them were wide receivers. So that's a pretty strong indication of where the strength lies in this draft. And it really is. it's It's on defense. Anytime you don't have quarterbacks stacked at the top of the draft, it really changes, you know, the star power of it, and also changes the the dynamics of the draft too. Mike, I know you know Lions only had thirty sacks, third fewest in the NFL. So, is edge rusher, pass rusher, the most need? Uh, absolutely, and I wouldn't be surprised if, if if they were able to get two of them, they would do it. But yeah, I, I agree with that. And there's certainly, you know, there's a variety of guys available with different styles. You know, different backgrounds, all of that, but but really, it's it's right there at the top of the draft forum. It just depends on 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 what they want, which way they go, and some of these reports that we're hearing absolutely absolutely pan out. For example, Trayvon Walker, you know, being the first pick now to Jacksonville, then I think I don't think that impacts the Detroit Lions because I don't think that was their guy. But then it's as, as Steve has said, it's Aiden Hutchinson, or in my opinion, it would be then would be Kayvon Thibodeau. That would be, for Brad Holmes and company, a hell of a decision to make, would it not, or maybe not? Well, I, well one thing that would play into it, and they, they would I don't think they'd be swayed by this one way or the other, 
But if they don't take the Michigan player, then they'll be forever. Just whoever they draft will be ever, forever compared to Aiden Hutchinson if he goes on to have a you know great career right. and, and player that Lions draft has a lesser career, then, then they'll hear about it every single day of every season. Well, early on, uh, you know, and there's been uh, to date, I think, uh, 1.2 million mock drafts uh, leading up to Thursday <laughs> night's first round. I only have four of them. I know. Uh, but a few along the way. In fact, I think Mel Kuyper early on had the Lions going with Malik Willis, the quarterback. Um, do you see that scenario coming into play at all? I agree with Not you. It. Defense has got to happen because the Lions' pass rush, as we've discussed, has been anemic far too long. Well, full disclosure, two of my first three mock drafts, I had Malik Willis going to the Lions at number 32, the last pick of the first round. I just think of the of the of all of the quarterbacks in this draft, I think maybe uh, Pickett from the uh, University of Pittsburgh is, is, is the other one that's you know, we have a, probably a first-round grade on him. But I think that uh, Malik Willis of Liberty, you know, transferred from Auburn, I think he's the only quarterback in this draft who has just definable uh, upside. I mean, you're going to look at him and say, this kid's going to get good and he's going to get better. But is he, you know, when does that happen and how good is he going to get? That's To me, that's that's the question. The one thing I liked about him when I watched his pro day on TV, was it two weeks ago, three weeks ago, whatever it was, he just looked so comfortable and so like he was enjoying himself. And this is sort of like his, you know, his job interview. A really very important one. He didn't seem seem consumed by the moment. He seemed to enjoy it. He seemed to like the idea to show the scouts and the general managers and the personnel directors, hey, this is what I got. Come take a look at me. And that, to me, at, at the quarterback position, when you've got to run the huddle, you've got to be the, the voice of your team and eventually the face of the franchise, I think that, to me, that means something because it means that to me that, that the moments aren't going to be too big for him. Now, that doesn't mean... A kid like that's going to step right in and all of a sudden turn the league on fire. But I just li- I like what he's made of. Mel Kuyper for days has been saying Ahmad Gardner from MLK. Is hmm. that the Lions going to, you know, if that's who they're going to pick? I mean, would Lions fans lose it because they picked Jeff Okuda number three in 2020? Well, they're going to lose it anyway. <laughs> you, can't, you know, you can't go by that. But, but Ahmad uh, Gardner, a sauce Gardner, Look, terrific kid. He's from here in Detroit. Played at uh, at Detroit Martin Luther King High School over there, uh, you know, near downtown. A terrific ball player. Really, just a, a chance to be a really top flight uh, shutdown cornerback. But I, I, I just don't. I don't think he'll be in Detroit. I think I think they have more important things to more important positions on defense to fill right away. I agree with you, Mo. Uh, when you take a look at the uh, Lions in that 32nd pick, as a matter of fact, uh, they will have the 34th overall selection, yeah. the second pick in the second round. So uh, taking a look at that 32nd pick, I, I, I would love to see them get Nicobe Dean, the uh, fine linebacker out of Georgia. Uh, I don't know if he's going to be there. Probably not. But I'll tell you what, his teammate, uh, Quay Walker, six foot four, two 241 pounds, very athletic, uh, he would be a uh, a nice choice as well. Yeah, really good linebacker, really strong guy. Is, is, uh, I uh, I did an item on him during the draft buildup. No, I don't think that would be a bad pick. I have him go, you know, going with with a safety, either Daxton Hill of Michigan, Daxton Hill of Michigan. I don't know if he'll be there, but I projected in there. And if he's not, there's another guy from Georgia. Look, there's a guy from Georgia at every position, and sometimes two or three, <laughs> yeah. but a guy named Lewis Cena. 
you know, he's when he hits them, they stay hit. And I think you need an enforcer back there sometimes in a deep secondary. And I think either one of those two would be a good addition for the Detroit Lions. And then move on into the second round and, and, and fill from there. What about wide receiver? You know, you're just from Georgia. The words. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, you know, you're taking the words right out of my right out of my mouth. But you know, there, there's a guy I like from from North Dakota State. It's not just because I'm from South Dakota, but kid named Christian Watson. He's 6'4", 215, and he's raw. He really is. But he's you know he's got I think a good future ahead of him. I don't think he's going to come in like a Ross St. Brown came in last year. And, and make 90 plus catches as a excuse me as a fourth round draft pick, but I think down the road, excuse me, I think he'll be a Kenny Galladay with speed, and I think you can you can go a long way with that combination. You know, Amon Ross St. Brown has uh, gone on record oh. saying, "Of course, we need to get another wide receiver via the draft." So uh, yeah, just you know. don't play on my spot. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, let's look back at the season that was Dan Campbell's first year there, Mo. Uh, I thought the uh, team. Uh, showed a lot of fight. They never quit under Dan Campbell. Uh, do you agree with that? Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it was kind of a hallmark of that team, and I thought it was as much as the players are the building block, what they accomplished in terms of how they played, the way they played, and the way they hung in there, and the way they, I wouldn't say they played for the coach, but they played because of the coach. Yeah, I think that was that was an important first step for the Detroit Lions. And look, the last two years of the previous regime Ugh. and whoever's fault this is I just watched you know they were three and three in both seasons and, and then just to, from that point on just continually deteriorated until we could barely you know barely breathing at the end of the season this was just the opposite uh, this team what they were 0 and 8 or 0 and 10 whatever they started out as and then played pretty good ball you know down the last six seven eight games and and really when they took the field they looked like a genuine national football league team and that was just completely the opposite, a complete turnaround of what they looked like, you know, exiting the season the previous couple of years. It's really hard to not think of the past when you think of the Lions, but Brad <laughs> Holmes has done a good job in his first draft with Sewell, McNeil, Amon Ross St. Brown. Who's to say he can't do it again? Well, I think he can, and I think, you know, I think I think this in, in some ways is a more important draft than the one they had last year, because I think last year was sort of the you know, sort of a test run, you know, uh, for the Detroit Lions to see what they had, the shakedown crews, if you will. And and I think they, they had a better feel for their team and going through a season, you know, 17 games and training camp and all of that. I think they have a better feel for their team right now uh, than they did a year ago. And I think that's only common. I mean, I think, you know, a coach and a, a new head coach, a new staff, all of that, a new starting quarterback, a whole new offensive system, new def- defensive systems, I think I think you need some time for that to settle in, especially with a team as young as the Detroit Lions were last year and still are this year. And so I think that really helps set them up to take an even bigger step forward uh, this year in the draft and what they accomplished uh, to some degree in free agency. Now, look, there are no guarantees, Jamie, in any of this. And all this, what I'm saying, sounds great. You know, it really does. And, and it can be just hot air in six months. But I really do think the Detroit Lions are in pretty good shape to make a move now in, in, in the NFC North. And, Mo, I think one of the reasons for that, I uh, can't say enough about the job with relatively sparse talent on the defensive side of the ball. I thought Aaron Glenn yeah. uh, got the most he could have out of that unit. So here we are uh, previewing the draft and, and maybe bringing aboard some pretty keen defensive talent. 
But as we've been discussing for how long now, Mike, the last four, maybe five years, if you don't have a pass rush at the NFL level, you are going to make it so very difficult on your young uh, guys in the secondary. And that's been the case with this team. Yeah, well, like Jamie said at the start of this, you know, they had 30, you know, 30 sacks last year, which was, I think, I didn't stop listening, but I'm not sure if I remember. Uh, 20, was that 29th in the league or 30th in the league, something like Third that? Third fewest in the NFL. Third fewest, okay, yeah, exactly. And, and look, the National Football League is a quarterback-driven league. It's the quarterback, get the ball out of his hands, get it to his receivers. What you need on the other side of the, of, of, of the line of scrimmage, the defense, is somebody to knock the quarterback down. Don't let them do that. I mean, and we're talking about, you know, tenths of seconds, you know, maybe two tenths, three tenths, four tenths, whatever it is from the time, you know, to, to get to that quarterback. And you need guys who can get around the edge to get to the quarterback and put pressure up the middle like Aaron Donald, who actually can do it anywhere. But you've got to get to that quarterback and make him uncomfortable, make him pump the ball once, pump twice if you can. Just the way, if you want to go back, just the way the Los Angeles Rams finished the Super Bowl. The way they clinched that was by getting to the quarterback, clinched everything for him. And so, to me, it's been amazing to me how inept the Detroit Lions pass rush has been oh. the last few years. And, and I think there are some signs that it's getting better, but it has to get a lot better. So nice to see uh, Matthew and Kelly Stafford back in town this weekend. Of course, uh, Matthew's done some wonderful things with our own Mitch yep. album at, say, Detroit. Um, then he was at uh, the ball game. Got a nice photo taken with Miguel Cabrera uh, after the uh, milestone. And then uh, we also find out Kelly has said, and she's gone on record, that Matthew will indeed finish his career playing with the Detroit Lions again. How about that? Well, <laughs> if, if she's in charge. <laughs> you we got what? that going for us. Well, just being around Matthew for 12 years here in Detroit, I think he'll do what she says. <laughs> Mo, Jamie, pre- yes, it should be, right? Absolutely. You better believe it. Appreciate your time, my friend, as always. All right, Steve, Jamie, guys, thanks for having me. All right, that is Mo Better Blues, Michael R. O'Hara from DetroitLions.com. Various and sundry on the other side of the break, coming up here on the WJR Sportsbook. Welcome back to more of the WJR Sportsbook, sponsored by Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort. Once again, here are Steve Courtney and Jamie Edmonds. All right, your Detroit Red Wings, just two games left in what has been a long and at times very disappointing campaign. Uh, They will skate in Toronto with the Maple Laughs, 7 o'clock tomorrow night. Uh, Maple Leafs having a year, 111 points, good enough for third in the Eastern Conference. And then the Red Wings will wrap it up in New Jersey, 7 o'clock on Friday night. Uh, Wings, by the way, had that nice 3-0 shutout win over the Devils yesterday in Jersey. So there you go. Just nine, eighteen, and four since February fourteenth. I unfortunately think Jeff Blaschel will not be the coach anymore. Well, a decision is going to be made. We all know who's going to make that, and uh, I think what Stevie Y is going to assess is um, if somebody else was on the bench other than Blaschel, how different would it have been with the talent that's on the ice? Sometimes in hockey, though, they make changes for yeah. like a fresh start. They make a mid-season sometimes. Well, you know, we've uh, talked uh, over the last period of time, uh, you know, all the confidence in the world, and Steve Eisenman's got a hell of a resume. Uh, he will fix this um, sooner rather than later, you would think. Yeah. Um, but you mentioned that record uh, over the last span, and really it's not the record. It's sometimes how they lost. Right, by like 11 to 2, 7 to 2. It's just not good. Right. 
Uh, now, you could easily read into that that the players have quit. Maybe you could but read into that. But then no, because they won in New Jersey. Well, nice win. You know, listen, it can't be fun going to the rink <laughs> uh, knowing what you know, that no. you're not playing for anything. And you haven't been playing any, for anything in a while now. Right. And then I forget which team, but they went to Florida where they have excellent teams and won in Florida recently. So right. they beat the Lightning. The two-time defending. for And and their record against Tampa is absolutely horrific. Uh, so, okay, we'll see. Uh, I like Jeff Blaschel. Me that, too. No one's going to call and consult with us. No, and they haven't. We're available. <laughs> if they'd like. Uh, yeah. I think he's a fine hockey man. For a fee, obviously, though, right? Uh, you know. You I might wave it. for free. <laughs> I might wave this one. Wow. That's nice of you. Uh, NBA playoffs underway. Uh, first of all. You know, I, 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 a week ago we were talking about Cade Cunningham and uh, Rookie of the Year. Well, Raptors forward Scotty Barnes, he edges Cavaliers forward Evan Mobley to win that Rookie of the Year award uh, with a 15-point difference between them, uh, marking the smallest gap over the 20 seasons the NBA has conducted the voting under its current format, which means Cade Cunningham finishes third. And I think he had nine, eight or nine first-place votes, um, but that was that. Now, that being said, and I'm sure Kate is disappointed, does not take away from the tremendous rookie season he had with the Pistons. Tremendous. Agreed. And I just think he's perfect for this town. The latest tweet on his timeline is Detroit versus everybody. He's embraced it here. He's the perfect guy for here. He doesn't seem to care that he was third. You know, uh, I thought he was uh, outstanding uh, right after he was brought aboard first overall. Uh, saying how proud he was to be a member of the Detroit Pistons, a, a, a team of heritage and yada, 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 championships and everything else. You, you, you can't beat a young dude with his talent that wants to be here. And has a chip on his shoulder. We'll get back to those old times maybe with the Pistons. I like well, it. Hopefully, uh, well, from your lips to God's ears. <laughs> uh, playoff action underway right now, and this is a doozy. The uh, Celtics in Brooklyn taking on the Nets. The Nets... Should they lose, they'll be making a tea time tomorrow if it's warm where they're at. Celtics up 45-41 in the second quarter, 329 left. Celtics up in that uh, series three games to nil. 8 o'clock tonight, the Raptors and 76ers getting together. That in the city of brotherly love. Philly up in that series three games to one. They could send the Raptors home for the uh, duration. Joel Embiid has got a uh, bad thumb on his shooting hand, but... You talk about a gamer. He says he's still going to play. Tough. You know? He's tough. Still going to play. Simmons would never. Th- exactly. Never. Well, he's also not. That's Do you true. have <laughs> handy what Stephen A. Smith said about Ben Simmons? I know you had it on Mitch's show. How about this? Give me one minute. Oh. All right. I'm not that quick, Steve. You know, no, I know. And uh, I thought you brought your A game today, but whatever the case may be. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, Stephen A., I just like watching the dude because you never know what he's going to say. Sometimes he gets himself into it. Sometimes he steps in it. Sure. Um, but I thought what he had to say about Ben Simmons and what's going on with this dude is anybody's guess. All right. Give it a listen. All Whoa. right. Now, how do you really think, dude? I mean, uh, but it, it, it's hard to disagree with anything that Stephen A. Smith said about Ben Simmons. Does the guy want to play? At all? 
It doesn't seem like it. It doesn't seem like it at all. I just cannot. Wow. That was rough. Telling it like it is. But, you know, uh, listen, at first, wasn't it Ben was working on some mental issues, his mental health? Well, that's what he said. Okay. If that's the case, I understand. We're living in a day and age where mental health is not to be taken for granted. Correct. So if you were going through it, hopefully you got it worked out. But now we've moved on to something else. Reggie Miller took umbrage with Ben Simmons not playing as well. He said he had zero competitive fire. How Which do you, I got to agree. I mean, they are on the ropes in this series, and you're supposed to make your debut. I mean, they had high expectations. Yeah. Your teammates had high expectations. Because remember, it wasn't all that long ago that the Nets, with Durant and Irving, and uh, they were, well, Harden at one point. Easy to win the East. You would think. No. Uh, nightcap, by the way, 930 tonight. NBA playoffs, Jazz and Mavericks getting together in Dallas. Pretty good series. Uh, it is all tied up at two. I just want to make a point. I have a great story tomorrow on Local 4 of the firefighters who saved the memorabilia from Oakland Hills. It's awesome. You'll see inside video. You know, we had heard that there was kind of like a brigade of humans, firefighters and staffers that were handing the stuff out as fast as they could get it. That's going to be a great story. Watch it. It's in the 5 o'clock. All right. Uh, that is going to wrap things up. Nick Roddy, great work as always, my friend, putting this thing together. Blake, you brought your A game. He was I'm positive. I appreciate positive that. Today. Unlike him. <laughs> Not yourself today, and we've noticed the improvement, Blake. Thank you. <laughs> uh, for Jamie Edmonds, my name is Steve Courtney. We will be back with you next Monday to discuss everything under the sports umbrella here on WJR.